Hello, listeners, and welcome to Pop Screen, part of the Geek Show Podcast Network. We are the Geek Show Podcast dedicated to the good, the bad, and the befuddling of movies, either starring by or about pop stars. No, the podcast covers such a broad range of musical and cinematic genres, from country and western to hip hop, from documentaries to science fiction. I'm your host, Graham Williamson. I'm a writer for Horrified, the British horror website, and the Geek Show itself, where I do film reviews and write ups on classic Doctor Who episodes. I also write inlay booklets for second run dvd i am joined this week by gav smith hello hello there gav where can people find you uh you can find me at the my favorite film podcast uh on twitter that's at my fave film uh i also write for the geek show website as you just said um doing film reviews and that type of thing so yeah hmm. this week Everyone remembers the first time they heard a funky diabetic, which is probably why <laughs> Tribe Called Quest received the extraordinary honour of this week's film, the first ever documentary made about any hip-hop band ever seriously. Beats, Rhymes and Life, The Travels of a Tribe Called Quest is directed by prolific character actor and social media nuisance Michael Rappaport. It's a chronicle of an act who changed their genre forever, inviting the whole of black musical history from jazz and soul to the block party. It also proved distressingly adept at reopening old wounds, which I'm sure we'll get to. But before we do, first documentary about a hip-hop band. What the fuck? <laughs> I thought the same as well when you said, can we watch this one? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? But, do you know, it's it's an interesting story they've got in their, their history. Yeah. So it, it makes for a good documentary. Yeah. It does, yeah. I, I mean, I was mostly just agog that it took till, <laughs> when was this released? Like about 2011? 2011 yeah. for someone to make a documentary yeah. about a hip-hop band? Yeah. There's That's not really been many since either, so... <laughs> no, there's been... Um, there's been Spike Jonze's Beastie Boys documentary yeah. for Apple yes. TV. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sure there must be others that I'm there forgetting, but I'm struggling to think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But there must be others. There must be. Other than the Beastie Boys, obviously. Other than the Beastie Boys, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose NWA got the big Hollywood biopic treatment. Like, yes. Maybe there's a documentary about them, but it would be somewhat within its shadow, you know? Yeah, yeah. 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 This, no, but this is a, an, a very interesting film. Uh, mm. I didn't know a lot about the history of the band. Yeah, I obviously you know, you know songs because there's got so many songs that you you just know straight away. That I think it starts off with "Can I Kick It," and everyone knows "Can I Kick It." So exactly. Yeah, it, it, it comes in with that type of song, and you, you know the band straight away. But mm. a lot of the the story behind the band and the fights and things that were going on at the time, it's a uh, interesting interesting viewing. It absolutely is. Yeah, yeah, and um, I, I knew. The music pretty well I'd sort of that that kind of um native tongues I think was the sort of school of hip-hop they were part of but that kind of native yeah. tongues or daisy age de la soul stuff was always something yeah. I was I was kind of aware of when I was a kid but I didn't get yeah. seriously into until I was older um so I did like it. I, I'm still one of those people who cannot decide whether low end TV is better than Midnight Marauders. So don't try and pin <laughs> me to the wall on that. Um, Ooh, maybe later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, like you, I didn't know much about the uh, yeah. 
the behind the scenes stuff. Um, I suppose I'd always thought that Q-Tip seemed like a pretty stand-up bloke, which is an impression that yeah, it's not overturned by the documentary, but it takes a couple of bashes, I think. Yeah, it's like it's slightly not uh, yeah, not overturned, but slightly undermined, maybe. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's um he comes across when he's talking, he comes across very well mm. uh, as if he's a little bit unaware of some of the things he's doing and the effect they're having on the rest of the band, mm. uh, in particular Fife Dog. Um, but he, he still seems at the end of it to, to know where he's at and comes off all right, actually. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I mean, there's this part of you that has to factor in that you're an ambitious guy who starts a band when you're a teenager yeah. and everyone says that you're redefining music forever. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, it, it's hard to think of someone who wouldn't be a bit of a dick in those circumstances, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, in truth, I mean, they did redefine. At the time, mm. hip-hop music, rap music was all about smashing the state and, you know, being the undogs or whatever else. They seemed to bring a a much more positive spin on life through their, their music. And obviously, they worked a lot with, as you mentioned before, uh, De La Soul and that type of band mm. as well to do the same type of thing. And uh, their music was far more upbeat and more commercially available, I suppose, than the yeah. likes of your NWAs. Yeah, I mean, NWA's status as a very controversial band both limited the distribution yeah. of their music and was the best promotional tool they could possibly oh, have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think they say at some point in the... Um, the, the film actually they say you know we're not there's a time and a place for singing fuck the police and that's not where we're at yeah um we're trying to do something else and that was exactly what their music was about was bringing something different to the genre and and i don't know getting us all dancing i guess that was the point of it wasn't it Have a yeah good time. i think like the fact that they weren't rapping about like um gangland stuff i i didn't think that was them trying to be respectable i never got the feeling that like they weren't a band like arrested development who no. have, have some fabulous songs but there are yeah. several arrested development songs where they're talking about their like peers who yeah. do gangster rap and you just think you sound like a school teacher i'm sorry this is just <laughs> finger wagging shit yeah yeah there's a bit like of that, that isn't that yeah no there's not no it, they, no they seem to i mean they sing about having a good time and and whatever else you know there's a lot of songs that they do that are just about being on stage and about having a life and so on so yeah it's, mm. um, yeah yeah it's interesting that when you compare it to even someone like Queen Latifah um yeah. in her early stuff it's interesting how there isn't that much political stuff in the tribe called quest you know they're certainly not public enemy so no, no, the, not at all. The political statement in it, I think, is that they're taking this genre, which at the time was new and was yeah. a, at the centre of a moral panic, and yeah. saying, no, actually, this is part of a lineage going back to Charles Mingus and Minnie Ripperton. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I, I, mean, love, a, I love it when um, documentaries about music actually analyse the music and the bit with Ali Shaheed Muhammad talking about how 
he turned Inside My Love by Minnie Ripperton into the backing track to Lyrics to Goal is great. Yes, it, uh, um, it, it's a really interesting piece, that that part of it. And, and yeah. the, the, then they're going into the whole thing of copyright and how much it costs to make that bit and how it made the album actually cost more to make than it should have and so on. Yeah, but it is a really interesting piece to see them really analyse that song. Mm. Um, I think that's the only one they really do fully analyse as to how they got to where they were, but it is, it's a nice sort of breakdown of that individual song. Um, yeah. Because a, a lot of the film focuses on on Fife Dog. Mm. Um, it seems to be more about him than any of the others, because uh, it's about his struggle really with, with diabetes. Uh, with diabetes and with Q-tip to a great extent. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. But I mean, it, it, it's weird because I guess a lot of sort of hip-hop artists at that time, they've got talking about addiction to drugs and things like that, whereas Five Dog says, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm addicted to sugar. Yes. And that, that was his his major addiction was sugar and drinking sugary drinks. But obviously, yeah. as a diabetic, that was not the best thing for him at all. There is a yeah. weird point, isn't there, where he says that and you think, oh, what was sugar slang for again? And then, yeah. oh no, sugar, he means actual sugar. <laughs> yeah, I did think that at first. I kind of went, well, what, what do you mean then? And then he, he was talking then about drinking pop and having slushies yeah. and whatever. I oh, know it's actually sugar he's addicted to. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But he, he mean, I mean, Five Dog comes out of this, I guess, very well. He yeah. seems to be, as I said, he's the major sort of, talking point certainly um i think there's a point in the middle of the film where they've kind of gone right we've gone through the albums now and we're now at a point where the band's breaking up and i think at that point the film really really swings towards fife dog and towards his story and how how they got to a point where the band broke up because of his medical state and the yeah. way that q-tip was then treating him because of that yeah yeah, yeah. And that's the the kind of the last act of it, which is kind of, I mean, it, it's not bad. I don't think it's the wrong thing to do from a filmmaking perspective, but I just mm. wish they could have filmed this a few years later and you could have included that amazing final album they made after Five yeah. Dogs' death. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a grim thing to end on, I think. Possibly. But, I mean, they, yeah. I suppose by not doing that, it left it on a, a far more upbeat note i suppose in that they're they're finishing it with you know five dogs still making music yeah yeah um you know and q-tip's gone his own way and is, is making his music and it's very obvious that you know that there's there's two lots there and they're, they're both doing what they want to do even though they're doing yeah. it separately yeah which is a, a more upbeat ending i suppose than then focusing on that but i guess yeah you know they didn't know at the time that that was going to happen so in hindsight yeah. You could go, yeah, we better do this later, but you don't know when these things are going to happen. So, oh yeah, hind hindsight's an easy thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, um, it, it's true. But to go uh, back to the start of it, one of yeah. the the best things about the documentary, I think, is that it not only describes the inspiration they got from each other and the inspiration that started them making music, but it also sketches in the whole scene, the whole world of hip hop back when it was very oh, much yeah. a subculture rather than something that's like a massive global success. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they talk about all of the, uh, there's a point where they're talking about just 
I can't remember which one is now is talking about the fact that you, you lived near a school yeah. and they were just getting turntables out in the schoolyard and people were just coming up and they were just putting on records and rhyming over the top of them and all these DJs doing different things with, with music than the normal. Yeah. Um, which then they'd talk then about uh, DJ Red Alert and him having a show on television, how that inspired them to do what they were doing. Yeah. I mean, this, this film is then, it's absolutely full of every single hip-hop artist that was around at the beginning, the sort of birth yeah. of it. I mean, if yeah. you look through the, the cast list on this, it's it's an unbelievable cast list. It is, um, yeah, yeah. Most, most of them appear at the end, just a final bit at the end, just going, I am, and saying who they are. But uh, like I say, you just look through the list and it's just full, full, full of all the, the greatest, really. I think my favourite is, uh, is it is it Questlove who says, oh, when I listened to Low End Theory, I realised jazz wasn't just that boring <laughs> shit in my dad's record collection. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 there's lots of bits like that, because there's, um, oh, Buster Rhymes even pops in at one point. He does, and he's, yeah. He's, yeah. Not on, he's not on a talking head at all. They don't talk to him particularly, but just coming in to say how, fantastic it is listening to their albums the fact that bus rhymes is popping in and saying yeah i listen to your albums all the time and it gets me motivated for going out on stage and it's like all right okay wouldn't have expected yeah. that from him but yeah fair enough yeah yeah that's yeah. quite funny actually isn't it thinking of someone <laughs> listening to this really mellow music to get hyped up on stage maybe yeah. buster rhymes his problem is that he just needs to be brought down a bit and yeah yeah, I mean, he always seems very up a height. I mean, his music's so different from a Tribe yeah, Called Quest. Yeah, To think that he listens to a Tribe Called Quest before going out and singing his own stuff is kind of really weird. It's very yeah. odd, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also a snapshot of like a vanished media landscape where if you wanted to listen to a song, you had to find a radio show that might be yeah. playing it. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's what they, they talk about all the time, isn't it? That everyone yeah. tuned in for Red Alert, Alert Show because it was the only place they could hear the latest songs in the genre that they wanted to listen to. Yeah. It wasn't on mainstream radio. I think they do talk about the fact that, you know, turning the dial and actually making sure they were broad getting to the right dial at the right time to hear this music that they couldn't hear anywhere else. It wasn't mainstream at all. It is such a romantic thing to me to think of like the explosion of creativity <laughs> at that time. Last year, I read Jeff Chang's Can't Stop, Won't Stop, uh, which yeah. is a full history of hip hop, published in about 2005, so very out of date now, but yeah, yeah, purely in terms of like chronicling the early stuff and what the atmosphere was like around New York and Los Angeles when this started happening. It's yeah. such a beautiful book. Yeah. I must pick that one up and have a bit of a read of that, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I haven't read it. I, I like to say a lot of the history of hip-hop, I suppose, I kind of, I'll have missed out on it because mm. it wasn't ever really such a big thing in the UK. You know, we no, got it, it when... it took a lot of time, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I remember sort of first time the Sugar Hill, the Sugar Hill Gang appeared on Top of the Pops and it's like they're just talking the music, which they actually referenced in their, their song. Um, it's you know, not a test I'm wrapping to yeah, beat. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So hip hop kind of it was just kind of in the background in the UK. Um, mm. But I do remember, you know, a tribe called Quest appearing and kind of kick it. I mean, it, it was played just by everywhere. And it, it was a Radio One mainstay for a long time. Yeah. Um, and that's how most people, I would have thought, 
heard a Tribe Called Quest for the first time. I think the other thing, the the other thing about like that, not knowing much of the history of music is that part of the reason why hip hop is culturally dominant now is that it is so immune to nostalgia in a lot of yeah. ways. Like yeah. when you think that hip hop began, like it started coming out of the New York party scene in the mid seventies, which means that it's coming up to its 50th birthday. Like, yeah, yeah. By the time rock and roll was 50 years old, it had gone through so many retro and revivalist movements. Yeah. But that's never yeah. happened with hip hop. No. No, I think um, the main thing that's happened with hip hop is they've, they've just got faster at rhyming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly if you look at, you know, like I say, Sugar Hill Gang against the things that... Like uh, Kendrick Q-tip Lamar or someone's so on, yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, get to what they are now. It's just, you, you can't yeah. keep up with a lot of the words they're saying to a certain point. Yeah. So it's like, that's like a double-edged sword to me because I love the fact that there is still a form of music that is not getting sucked into the retro thing and is determined to yeah. innovate and improve. But it also means that a lot of the real pioneers don't get their due respects. Yeah, true, true. Which I think this film, to a certain extent, puts right. Mm. You know, anyone who wasn't sure about what hip-hop was, if you if you were to watch this film, you'd certainly go, all right, okay, I see where a lot of music I listen to now actually came from and why it's the way it is and so on. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I say, if Questlove hadn't got that copy of Low End, the, the Roots <laughs> would be making very different music. Very different, yeah. yeah. And again, that's the whole thing of, you know, he came across that in someone else's record collection. That's that's where he found it, and that's why he listened to it. So it's yeah, it, it's how music, I suppose, can evolve in that way. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I mean, in terms of the band, I, I couldn't respect them anymore. I think they're terrific. I even oh, yeah. think you know, it's not. It's obviously their worst album, but I think the Love Movement isn't terrible. Like, come on, guys, it's just. It's not bad. It's just not Midnight Marauders. No, I mean Midnight Marauders is is the one that I guess everyone knows. All of the big songs were on that. It's when they first started, and that's the ones that were played on an yeah. endless loop, certainly in, in this country. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the I'll be honest, not listened to loads and loads of them. I have mm. probably heard all of the albums. They're not on my playlist on a regular loop, but some of their songs are. Yeah. Um, but they, I don't know. There's something about their music. It does make you feel better about yourself yeah. when you're listening to it you just feel good and a bit chilled out a bit relaxed and just can bop along I suppose to a certain extent and I'm an old man I don't bop along very often but <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. yeah um but as filmmaking so where, where yes. do we stand on it um it's a it's weird that it's a, a film film I, mm. Did it get a did it get a cinema release? I don't know if it I did or not. So I think so. Yeah, yeah. It, it would be an. I think it'd be an odd film to go and see at the cinema. Yeah, it is very much. It's, it's talking heads. You get an awful lot of right. We're just going to talk this person now, and you, they talk them for a long time. Yeah. Um, if you're a fan of tribes music, it's probably not the best place to go because I don't think. They play an entire track all the way through, other than the very, very end of the final titles. Mm, fair point. And you get yeah. 
bits and pieces of their music all the way through. So you'll get bits and pieces of songs that you you know, because it is it's all the big ones they play. Yeah. Um, but they don't really play loads of their music. Um, hmm. even concert footage that they put in there, it's a snippet. Yeah. Of maybe 30 seconds of a bit of concert footage, and that's it. But there must be so much material around that they could have made a very different film, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I don't think it's like like there's a flood of documentaries about musicians yeah. at the moment, and I try and keep pop screens documentary output to ones that have like some sort of cinematic importance, yeah. some sort of yeah. sort of filmmaking innovation. You know, it's like I I could very easily just fill this show with anything that's on BBC Four on a Friday <laughs> night, and I don't want to do that at all. No. No, I guess not, no. But I think um, this was probably, was it Michael Rappaport's first direction or first directed? It was, um, yeah, yeah. Film. Uh, I think he, he might have done something else or he might have done some TV before and from point of directing, but this was his, his first step into directing and I yeah. guess he was a fan of A Tribe Called Quest before he made it and that's why he wanted to make it. Um yeah. I must admit, I had a little problem trying to work out who he was when I first saw him because I wasn't 100% sure. And then I, then I, I, I think I twigged that he was um, he was Phoebe's boyfriend and friends at some point. And that's oh, where I think right. probably most people would know him from. So if anyone's yeah. wondering who Michael Rapport is, that's who it is. He was the police friend. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was only in a few episodes, but enough that he had a, a big enough impact on that type of series that you'd know who he was if you saw him. Yeah, he's been yeah. lots of other things. I mean, he's been so much as an actor, character actor. He is, um, you everyone would recognize him if they saw his face, I guess. Yeah, yeah, um, he's, he's not really he, known for he's pro, he's got the double really. He's been in a lot of Spike Lee films and he's had yeah. a long running feud with Spike Lee about yeah. an argument they had over gentrification, which is like <laughs> the, the most Spike Lee double you can possibly have. Probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, It's an interesting film from the way it is shot together in that it is just letting the people who are involved talk about the fact that they were involved yeah. and what their involvement was. I guess that behind the camera there was someone asking questions, mm. um, but they cut all of those questions out. You never hear the questions. It is literally just like someone is talking to the camera, which a lot of documentaries do. Mm. Um, but there's nothing... There's nothing hard hitting in it. It's just it's a at the start it is very much a celebration of hip hop, a tribe called Quest, and their I suppose meteoric rise to fame to a certain yeah. extent, um, and then it turns into the nasty side, I suppose, and all that type mm. of thing. But it it's not it's not delving really deeply into reasons or anything else that might have been going on in their lives at that point in time, it is just, right, it was all about the music and this is what we were doing and this is what we were trying to get to. Yeah, it's not like a muckraking exercise. Like, even when it does get into no. the uh, bad blood between Fife and Q-Tip, it yeah. is entirely about the direction the band was taking. That yeah. Fife has that great line where he says so that, on Midnight Marauders, I felt like I was really sort of coming into my own. But then for the next album, suddenly it's like Diana Ross and the Supremes. It's Q-Tip yes. and a tribe called Quest yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. 
Yeah, which I think that must have sat badly with him for a long time. Yeah. Um, and that's what eventually, of course, broke up the band. I mean, there's, um, there's some footage of, I guess it's their last concert together. I think it's mm. their last concert together, where the night before, um, Fife Dog is having issues because of his diabetes and is having to, I, I guess he's fumbling his way through the lyrics. Mm. Uh, and Q-Tip says something to him on stage, which obviously is because he doesn't understand what he's going through, Yeah, which Five Dog takes offence at, obviously. Yeah. Um, and that's what then causes the next night, the fact that he, he, they won't talk to each other, there's a big battle. And Q-Tip then is all about, though, uh, getting them on stage, mm. which I thought was quite an interesting bit of footage to have caught because obviously they must have been behind you know, the scenes, they must have been at that point when we're making this documentary we're going to follow you on this last tour Yeah, um, and they just happened to be in the right place at the right time to record that footage of Q-Tip and Five Dog having that major argument Yeah, it was just very much about like, no, we now need to get on stage, I'm going on stage you guys can come with me or not Yeah, and he just goes off and, and starts the show without them yeah. yeah it's there's a sort of split in the filmmaking style i think where as mm. you say a lot of the interviews with people who aren't in a tribe called quest yeah. are done in that classic talking head style yeah. that you defined but a lot of the interviews with the band are kind of like home movies and there seems to be yeah. this really unguarded intimate feel to them that i guess caused everyone to drop their guard a bit yeah yeah it's it, it, there's certain points where you just think that's that's been someone's got their mobile phone out and recorded it but i guess it was far too early some of the footage for them to do that but mm. there must have been people hanging around with them at that time that were recording stuff yeah but then michael rapport's got a hold of to make this film from there's a lot yeah. of archive footage basically that must be hanging around with them yeah no i i do think it has like a really um a really intimate feel even if some of it is kind of not where I would have gone with this. I, I would have gone for many more sequences like the lyrics to go sequence over some of yeah. the kind of feud stuff, to be honest. Yeah, but I guess when you're making a film like that, if you happen to be behind the scenes of a concert and you get that type of footage, yeah, you're going to, as a filmmaker, go, I've got to focus on that. That's an amazing bit of drama that I've now captured on film. Yeah, I have to use it. Or even if it was archive footage that he hadn't filmed when he's come about to make the documentary, you stumble on that, and you know I've got to use that because that's that's a major turning point. That's a major dramatic scene. It it changes that end of the film. It's good storytelling, and I don't really yeah. object to anyone doing it. But I was like, yeah. I was talking to a friend recently about you know Burden of Dreams, the documentary about Werner Herzog making Fitzcarraldo. Yes. You go into that and you think it's going to have loads of footage of Klaus Kinski off his yeah. nuts raging at everyone <laughs> um, because we've all seen that footage from yes. the set of Fitzgeraldo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but in fact, it's not in the film. Les Blanc shot it and it does turn up in other films about Herzog and Kinski. Yeah. But he just thought it was kind of gossipy and it detracted from the major flow of watching Herzog actually try and make this thing. So I, thought, I don't know yeah. whether that's just like a very, very 
a distant either documentary filmmaking where you could see your major international star go off his nuts screaming at people and just think, ah, I don't know, it's dirty laundry, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose the fact that it was then, it's been used elsewhere and it's available to see, it's not like it's detracting from that film yeah. that it's not in there. And actually, people probably watch that film thinking it is in there. So yeah, think, yeah. Oh, I, might, I might see the whole version of that. I mean, there's a whole load of other stuff that we haven't seen or an explanation afterwards about why that happened. Yeah. Um, I guess it might be good publicity for it to, to be out there. Yeah. I, guess, I think one of the reasons why uh, the vaults opened up a bit more in terms of Kinski was that he had the, um, the good faith to uh, die which, you know, t- <laughs> took a lot of the impetus to cover this stuff up away. Well, yeah, absolutely. Once you're gone, yeah, you're, you're yeah. fair game, aren't you, I suppose, to a certain extent there. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which could be something that now happens after Five Dogs. That someone might now come and go, you know, let's drag up some other stuff and see if we can make a, a sequel that beats Rhymes in Life that tells a different version of the story. I don't know. It's funny that, isn't it? Because uh, we got it from here. Thank you for your service. Feels very much like an album that's a snapshot of its time. You know, there's a lot of stuff about the 2016 American election on it, but yeah. it also has that extra weight of needing to be the final Tribe Called Quest album in the yeah. way that the love movement wasn't. Um, and I think it shoulders that burden really well, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and obviously not covered by this this documentary at all. But yeah, there's no. some good tracks on there. It's it's it keeps to their same style, I suppose. That you've got that same sounding of music, and it it sounds very similar. There's um, some yeah, there's some adventurous stuff on it. I think "We the yes. People" is probably the toughest thing they ever recorded. You know, that does sound like it takes a nation of millions, a republic enemy, more than it sounds like a tribe called Quest. But yeah. Yeah. Possibly, yes. Yeah. I'm trying to think how it goes. Yeah. Turned <laughs> um, in my head. It's I I did have a bit of a dive back into a tribe called Quest after I watched this, which yeah. is um it's always a good time to do that. Well, really. Yeah. Why not? You know, it, yeah. it, you may as well if you, you're going to do something like this, you may as well have a bit of a listen to the tunes. I didn't listen to them all, I must admit. I kind of um I found found all the albums on Amazon Music that I could and any other sp- streaming services and kind of flick through I know that one I know that one and kind of flick through the ones that I really know and a couple yeah. of the ones that popped in for good measure just to see what they sounded like but yeah, yeah. Uh, some other facts about the music people's instinctive travels and the paths of rhythm uh, which was their debut album was the first album ever to get the five mics rating uh, from the source magazine which uh, younger listeners might not know but that used to be a thing people wanted Right. Well, there you go. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Sauce was like in, in its day, it was the premier hip hop magazine. And oh, right. Okay. There are a lot of rap songs that mention getting five mics from the Sauce because they have the mic instead of the star ah, for their ratings. You know, it's like the ultimate accolade. Do you know, now you say that, yes, I can actually yeah. hear that in, in songs that I've heard them talk about the five mics. I don't think I ever knew what it was all about. Ah, right, right. Um, so that kind of of my head, but it, that makes a lot of sense now about that. Yeah, yeah. And the, I mean, the that, sauce kind of went downhill in the early noughties because it had this, um, it got this new owner who wanted it to A, 
like plug his failing rap career and yeah. be pursue a feud with Eminem, which uh, everyone thought at the time, well, because it's the early Norsies, everyone thought oh, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. You're not going to win a feud with Eminem. And I'm sat here nope. thinking, this is like <laughs> the Havana Rack War. Can't both these fuckers <laughs> lose? <laughs> yeah, it should have maybe as well. Yes. <laughs> but got to say that that is it's a great name for an album people's instinctive travels and paths and rhyme it's just a, it's a brilliant name it I is do like a, i do like a nice long titled album it's <laughs> you a fiona apple fan by any chance <laughs> no <laughs> don't even know who that is oh right i was just thinking i can't even remember what it was but she had an album title that was like about 90 words long uh, and it's the it's the longest album title ever all uh, right okay i don't know if guinness uh track that one but i'd be surprised if anyone beats it yeah, well, yeah, probably. I, I just like when uh, bands bring out something that's just got a really just obscure title that's just nice and long. It's like, what, what, what's the point in that? Yeah. You know, but yeah. It, it, it just works. You know, it's like um, the band Fuzzbox. Remember Fuzzbox? Mm, yeah. Who were originally, we've got a Fuzzbox and we know how to use it. That was the name of their band. Yeah. But they shortened it once they became mainstream. But I just thought that that was a much better title for the, the band. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. And they have to sort of go to, oh, well, they're going to have a short name because that's going to make us more popular on radio. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> this was this is part, part of the thing I admire about the Manic Street Preachers is that they achieved their period of greatest commercial success when their song titles were ridiculously overlong. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. They've got some ridiculous <laughs> songs back in their, their back catalogue. Yes. Um, I've, I've, I can't even think of names of songs, but... Well, this is yeah. this is a, a slight break from the hip hop talk. It is, it's isn't it? We've gone right off track. Am, yeah. <laughs> it's an indulgence that I'm going to double down on because I remember when the Manic Street Preachers <laughs> released an album um, that was based on the last tranche of lyrics that Richie Edwards had given them before yeah. he disappeared. Yeah. And there'd there'd been like myths among fans about what was in that case that he gave them and what the songs (laughs) would be like for years. And um, I remember before it came out, there was a piece in The Guardian that was sort of like, can the songs on the new Manic Street Preachers album possibly be as good as the song titles? It included such gems as Jackie Collins' Existential Question Time, uh, (laughs) Pretension Repulsion, and yeah. my personal favourite, Virginia State Epileptics Colony. <laughs> I must admit, the Manic's music and, and song lyrics were never the same after Richie was gone. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. That's I guess that's when they then became popular, though. So It was, yeah, to a great extent. I don't know. Yeah. I think they, they lost something, but they also gained the ability to have, like, a line of a song that James Dean Bradfield didn't have to go <gasps> at the start to get out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still can't forgive them for their cover version of This Is the Day by the other. So um a lot of people dislike that. Yeah. It's um I quite liked it, to be honest. Really? It, yeah, does, it doesn't nice. have a patch patch on the original, that's the thing. No, no, I think that's right. fair. Yeah. Yeah. As most cover versions don't, but mm. yeah. <laughs> anyway, we've gone completely off topic there. We have gone <laughs> massively off topic. Yeah, the Manic Street Preachers do not have much of a cinematic footprint, so I'm happy to take that opportunity. No, yeah. and um, yeah, it's probably probably best that they don't, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although there could probably be a very interesting document 
documentary about their early careers and the disappearance and so on. So. Imagine how long the frigging title would be, though. It'll never <laughs> fit on a ticket. <laughs> well, this one's quite a long title, let's be honest. This is pretty wordy, yeah. Beats, rhymes and life, the travels of the tribe called Quest. Also, it yeah. reveals that they were originally called Quest. And I forget, who was it who suggested uh, a tribe it called was, it Quest? It was... Red Alert, he asked them what their name was. That's and they it. said were called Quest. Yeah. And then he introduced them as a tribe called Quest. Yeah. But I think it was just a, a kind of, oh, yeah, now we've got a tribe called Quest. And he was yeah. just calling the Quest, but he put the tribe called bit at the start. And they then went, oh, that, that's good. We I mean, Quest like that. sounds a bit like a laser tag venue. <laughs> I assume that's why they changed that. Yeah, probably. I, I, I don't know. I, I think they do kind of just explained that they wanted to be called Quest and that was the name. But then when yeah. he said that, it was like, oh, that's great. And Red Alert being such a a figure in the hip hop scene at that point mm. in America, that it was like, well, if he's called us that, that's what we've now got to be called because he's just introduced us like on this this show that everyone who's listening to hip hop is listening yeah. to. If we I now go the, out and say called Quest, it's not going to work. The, the yeah. version of it in the film is even better than that because there's this moment where they say, oh, we're a band called Quest, and Red Alert goes, he's just pausing us, tribe called Quest. And I thought, yeah. hell, it's like that bit in the social network where Sean Parker goes, <laughs> drop the the just Facebook. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit like that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's it's all down to his... Uh, Red Alert's ability at that point to spot talent. and I mean, that's yeah. what he was doing on his radio show, was spotting the latest talent in the hip-hop scene and putting them out there and letting people hear what it was like. And I guess he's was then instrumental in getting them together with all the other bands at that time to make this different version of hip-hop yeah. that wasn't all fuck the police and whatever else. It was something a bit more uplifting and a bit more... Um, Kind of positive kind of right words, yeah, positive good vibes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think people miss that kind of I don't want to say gatekeeper because it has it, it's a word with negative connotations, but a tastemaker, I guess, would be a better way of putting it. From a from point of view of a, a DJ on radio, you mean? Well, in any way, it always strikes me that it's telling that one of the first things that a big site like Amazon or Spotify will do is get their recommendations engine sorted because the world is vast. Yeah. The internet is yeah. even bigger. People have a, a need for someone to say, I bet you'll like this. Yeah, I guess so. And yeah, we, we don't have it now, I suppose. You know, mm. if you listen to radio stations now, the DJs are just playing what they've been told to play by whoever. There, there aren't those, um, I guess, independent radio channels that pop up that you twist your dial to and you might actually catch something that's very different. Uh, yeah. It's all very, very commercialised. Pirate radio doesn't really exist that same way. No, and not guess, really, no. Certainly our generation, um, or my generation, growing up in the, the 70s and 80s, mm. um, we didn't really have it. Radio One was what you're tuned to for the latest sounds. Yeah. Um, and nowadays, I guess it's 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 YouTube and TikTok that make um, music happen. I mean, uh, I'm a school teacher by day, mm. and certainly at school, the kids at school they get their music from TikTok videos. 
Yeah. So yeah. all the latest bands that they're listening to are recommended because that artist or the, the probably the label that has signed that artist has paid an awful lot of money to TikTok to put their song behind something so they can sing over the top of it or make a silly video using that thing. And that, that's how it works. Yeah, it, it's a gameable yeah. system. Although I did Absolutely. With- I did admire those occasional. I mean, the radio was a gameable system, of course. That's why payola is a is a yeah. word that exists. You know, you yeah. can't get too rose tinted about it, but yeah. uh, occasionally it throws up something mad. I think there was like a, a two thousand and two even mountain gold song that went viral on TikTok recently because it was yeah just, yeah. <laughs> it, it's amazing the amount of things that, that that do go viral on there because you know someone just goes right we're going to stick that on tiktok and you can make a little video over the top of it and they just yeah. go out there the, the yeah. things that you know uh, like say i teach teenagers and the things that they come in singing i think hold on i remember that from that. when i was a kid where, yeah. where have you got that from yeah um my own kids occasionally will sing things like and it's like where where have you heard that and, and i guess heard it somewhere but... part of where they hear it from of course which is the last thing that i think we we need to talk about a bit more with regards to this film is sampling that these yes. songs have a life in other songs yeah. yeah and it's fascinating to me that kind of early gold rush sort of either of sampling where yeah, there's, a, there's a beastie boy song on paul's boutique which has like six beatles samples on it's just you, there's no way that anyone's ever going to be able to do that again no, ever no but i mean the, the whole all of the music at that time all this hip-hop music was all due to sampling I mean, it's, it's how they they start off a dj yeah sticks on a record and starts you know scratching it and mixing it in a certain way and, and then someone stands up top. and wraps yeah. over the top of it that you know there's there's no original music being made yeah. really there's original rhymes yeah, but the actual beats behind it are somebody else's beats that are just being, I guess, live remixed is mm. the best way of putting it because they're just scratching it backwards and forwards to make it sound a little bit different. And it almost takes the whole thing back to original folk music where, you know, the idea was that it doesn't belong to anyone. You just go yeah. from town to town. And if there's if people want music played, you play one of these songs. It's just that... Yeah. This version of folk music had the misfortune <laughs> to appear when a lot of very rich artists had very expensive lawyers. Yes, yes. And I guess now you get samples in music, and there's someone somewhere has paid an awful lot of money to get that sample to be there. Yeah. Um, and as they say in this, at one point, you know, one of the albums costing more than anyone ever expected because of that one sample. It's in Midnight Marauders, they say it cost yeah. as much to clear the samples as it did to actually record the record, which yeah. is incredible. Oh, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Especially because for most of the samples, you'd really have to be listening really hard or know your music really, really well to know what it is that they yeah. sampled in the first place. Um, I think and there's that's... a lot of that, an awful lot of hip-hop music that you go, I, I recognise it, but no idea. It could be anything. Yeah. That that was that that is one of the main deleterious effects that those lawsuits had on the actual music, rather than just yeah. the finances of the artists doing it. Is like 
when you listen to stuff like a Tribe Called Quest or Paul's Boutique, either Beastie Boys or yeah. the first De La Soul album, it's yeah, like yeah. this beautiful collage of little fragments they've took yeah. from everywhere. And I find that so wonderful. But yeah. starting in about the mid-90s, you start to get hip-hop that really rips the arse out of its one sample because yeah. I guess they, you know, they paid the money and they need to get their money's worth out of it. Yeah. And they just use that one song over and over again to get it. Yeah. It just in different ways. Yeah. I mean, I must admit, the the DJs in these early days of hip hop were very, very talented. Mm. The way they could spin a, a record or two records together on a couple of decks and make effectively a new song out of the yeah. samples was absolutely amazing. You know, you yeah. try doing that now and it, it's it's difficult to do digitally, let alone with a couple of bits of vinyl and a, a couple of needles. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's just Very great, stuff. <laughs> like, bedroom creativity, isn't it? Which is the engine yeah. of pop music all the time. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, is there anything more you wanted to raise before we wrapped up? Um, I think it's just, it's probably worthwhile just, just mentioning the amount of um, the artists that are in there that obviously mm. were inspired by a tribe called Quest at some point in time and and appear in this this talking heads thing yeah. at the end. I mean, you got the whole of Beastie Boys, they're all in there. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure DJ Lethal from Limp Biscuit pops up at some point. Um, yeah. and you've got Pharrell's in there. Money Love. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of all the names, but there's so many artists that appear in this. It absolutely. Is yeah. Absolutely a, a who's who of of hip hop. Um, and I think as I said at the start, you know, if you if you looked at the the credits for this, if I mean, if you go on IMDb and put up the full cast and crew, that the list of of hip hop names that appear in this is just unbelievable. And not um, just in front of the camera either. You know, the no, no. Uh, obviously there's a lot of Tribe Called Quest music in it, but the yeah. incidental score is done by Madlib. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's some there's, there's some great music in it. I mean, like I say, there's not often a full song plays. But yeah. there's there's enough to get you a taster. I would say, mm. you know, if you've if you've never heard anything by a travel quest, which I probably think nobody out there could probably say they have heard nothing by them, because you probably have heard it and not known who it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you if you don't think you've heard it, have a, a watch of the film. You'll certainly hear some songs you go, Oh, I'd like to know a little bit more about that, and then probably track down some of the albums, have a listen. Yeah. 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 Well, listeners, if you enjoy what you've heard, uh, you can donate to our Patreon at www.patreon.com where you'll get a monthly bonus episode of this show, access to our other movie podcast, Director's Lottery, and twice-weekly classic Doctor Who reviews from me. Indeed. Thank you for that impressed noise. <laughs> um, but until next week, that's been your lot from Popscreen. I've been Graham. And I've been Gav. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.